So I'm speaking uh, with composer Dominic Lewis, and if you're a John Powell, Hans Zimmer, Henry Jackman, or Ramin Javadi fan, you'll definitely recognize his name. Uh, Dominic has been an essential part of the music team for a slew of uh, high-profile films by some of today's most prolific composers. He composed additional music on huge films like X-Men First Class, Sherlock Holmes' A Game of Shadows, and more recently This is the End. Uh, this fall marks Dominic's feature film debut as a, a composer with Free Birds, the new animated film. Uh, Dominic, thank you so much for chatting today. It's a real pleasure. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to it. So, uh, since this is our first time uh, we're talking, I would love to know uh, why and uh, how you got into music, and how did you get wrapped up in the whole world of film composing? Um, well, luckily for me, I was uh, I was born into a very uh, musical family. Both my parents are working musicians. My dad's a cellist, and my mom's a singer. And, and from a very early age, I started cello when I was three um, with my dad and um, was obviously singing a lot in the house as well. And then I was in many, many choirs as a kid. Um, and I guess the shift, so I was constantly surrounded by music and, and a lot of classical music, but not just that. You know, my parents were huge Beatles fans, as most parents are, I guess most everyone is, really. Um, so, yeah, we would listen to the Beatles and the Beach Boys and Eric Clapton and Dire Straits and all that stuff as well as a kid. So I grew up with a, quite a, a wide band of music. And then um, I went to private school um, in England and was fortunate enough to be in the same class as Rupert Gregson Williams' stepdaughter, Sadie. Oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> and um, so at that point, I was obviously fully submerged in love of film music and all that stuff. And very fortunately, she um, she set up sort of like a meet and greet with Rupert. I went down to his studio in um, West Sussex, and it sort of became a regular thing, really. And he, um, I guess you could say, sort of took me under his wing, and I would go down and sit on the couch and watch him program from the age of like 15 and then as I got older he you know he'd throw me a couple of arrangements here and there just to sort of you know teach me I guess um with you know I don't think he was ever going to use them and uh, you know I'd go down there and he'd sort of he'd go and make a cup of tea or something and he'd say save as and just play around with the samples so from a very early age I was exposed to the the real nitty-gritty of film music and wow. um then I went to the Royal Academy of Music and studied um, composition and cello, and I stayed in contact with Rupert. And when I graduated, uh, I guess the goal was to work for him um, originally, but it didn't it didn't work out that way. And he said, "Get yourself on a plane out to L.A." And here I am, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long have you been in L.A.? Uh, three and a half, four years. I've lost count. Yeah, wow. it's been a whirlwind. It's been crazy. I know. I mean, um, that's crazy. It's, it's a very short amount of time, too. It's a, I probably feel like you just got here. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, weirdly. It's been so quick um, from sort of sitting in in classes at the academy however, you know, five, six years ago and, you know, studying John and Hans and then cut to me a year, a year or two later than that and I'm sitting in a room with them talking about fighting pandas. It's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I had to pinch myself. It's, it's been a, a wacky ride, but it's, it's been amazing. Hopefully it will continue. Uh, yeah, hopefully for for all of us listening, too. Um, 
so as a as a rising composer, what what were you? I mean, you've worked on so many big projects with you know all those guys. Um, what were you learning from each project? Was being an additional music composer an essential part in your education of the business here? Sorry, I didn't hear the first bit of the question. Say that again. Sorry. So as a rising composer, uh, what were you learning from each project? You know, you've worked with so many uh, great composers uh, like you know John and Hans. Uh, was being an additional music composer an essential part in your kind of education of the business? Oh, for sure. I mean, you can learn a certain amount being in college. You can learn all the nitty-gritty and, and the theory and all the stuff that everyone else can learn. But as soon as you get thrown into the real world, um, you know, in a meeting with Hans or John or Henry or whatever, and mm-hmm. that's where you learn. You know, it's the best. Coming to remote control and being lucky enough to be here, it was the best university you can go to if, if you want to be a film composer. I mean, straight away I was thrown in at the deep end. And um, you, you sink or swim, basically. It's it's a very harsh way of learning, but, but the best. Um, and I guess from each different guy, I mean, uh, what can I say? Hans is, is just the best, you know? He, uh, from, from coming up with such memorable, groundbreaking stuff to being in a meeting with the guy and he just completely commands the room and, and his charisma and knowledge and he's not the thing about Hans is he's not just a, a composer, he's a filmmaker. Um, which makes a difference. Everything he does is for the good of the movie and um, just to be part of that and just to be able to watch that was incredible. And uh, my I guess my experience with John was was different. Uh, John is just so great to work for. Um, and just, it's so easy going, and he's, I mean, in my view, he's a genius. He's just ridiculously talented man. Um, and I, you know, for example, I'd be working on some stuff, and he'd come down and listen to it, and he'd say, well, no, it's great, don't get me wrong, it's great, and we can, we can play that for sure, but I think they're going to want this. But it was just so nice to be given the option. So, and I felt as if I went, no, I think we should play this. He'd go, okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was a really cool experience. And it's always great working with John. And uh, since, you know, they, John, Henry, and Ramin, they all kind of did the same things early in their careers under under Hans. Do you feel that they all kind of, I mean, they're all different composers with very unique voices. Do you think they share a similar work ethic that they passed on to you? Yeah, I think they do, very much so. Um and it's all, it's very much, the great thing of what Hans instills in people is, is that it's all about the movie. You know, the, the musical ego of, of it was, I guess, that was present in the past, the presence of music. music I don't know how to put it, like, um, really mu- musical, music of all, where it was very flourishing and it was a lot about the music. And now it's all about the movie. Mm-hmm. And that, the, the great mixture of being able to come up with something iconic and memorable but still serving the film and completely supporting the film um all those guys have that and you know they're great talent is to be able to you, know, you can still put on the cd and listen to it and it sounds great right um but it never takes you out the movie and they, they, they never they never pull you out the film it's always a collaboration it's not hey check out my music aren't i great so yeah, and they're worth it. You know, everybody, everybody in this place is, you know, worked so hard, and and and, it's, and all their all the emotion and all the energy is thrown full throttle into the film, and 
I'd like to think that I'm taking that on and will serve the film to the best of my ability, you know what I mean? All right, yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, so Freebirds comes along. How did you get involved with this project? Because I, I was reading that I think John Powell put you up for recommendation and they, I guess you wowed them and got the project for yourself? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, John, um, obviously John's worked with Jimmy a few times in the past and Jimmy went to John looking for him to do this one. Why wouldn't you? He's John Powell. Right. <laughs> um, so... But you know, he was t- John's taking a break. He's not doing as much stuff, right, and right. I think I think John gave him, you know, his five guys that he recommended. But I, Jimmy told me that he he pointed at me and said, "Look, you're going to get on with this guy the best," and that, that was my name. So um, I met with Jimmy, and we clicked. It was great. He, he, Jimmy describes it as E.T. and Elliot. And <laughs> uh, when he when he tells people he put his fingers together and goes ouch, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah we clicked it was great and we you know we were I watched the, about fifteen minutes of the movie at the meeting and then went in to talk with Jimmy and Scott Moser and after about you know he told me what he wanted and what he was looking for and then we moved on to you know he's a big He's a big bike guy and a big old car guy, and I just bought a 72 Bronco, so we talked <laughs> about that for half an hour, and we were geeking out about old cars and bikes and stuff, so it was great, and that just carried on, and now we're, you know, really good friends, and it's not just a working relationship anymore, it's great, you know, we can go out for a beer and just chat about anything, not just chatting about movies, so it's been a really wonderful experience meeting Jimmy, getting to work with him, and, you know, I've, I've gained a, a buddy as well, which is fantastic. Well, that probably also makes the collaboration uh, on the film a lot easier. So were you probably more relaxed than nervous working on this movie? Yeah, right from the start. I mean, I was definitely ready. I've, been, I've worked on so many movies now that I was ready to, you know, dive in and, and get stuck in on my own and be the boss of, of the creative side of things. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean it wasn't daunting. It was very scary at first. Um you know, I was I, I I got the movie, but there was still like a trial period because I'm young and I haven't done anything on my own. So they wanted to give me a few things first, and then if I didn't muck it up, they hired they would hire me. And luckily that happened. So, but from that point on, you know, meetings with Jimmy were were so relaxed and so great, and he's such a bundle of energy. <laughs> it's crazy. He'll, yeah, it's very hard to get a word in edgeways sometimes, but. Um, that was perfect for me, as you know, for my first time. Just sort of, he'd talk, he'd say what he wanted, and he'd act everything out during meetings, and it was really easy. He just, uh, he made it very easy. He gave me carte blanche, really, and said, you know, do your thing. And if we, if we uh, don't agree on something, I'll live with it for a bit. And more often than not, he lived with it, and he turned out liking it. So wow, that's really it great. Was really yeah, it was so. Such a wonderful experience. I've got serious withdrawal symptoms. Now the movie's <laughs> finished and it's coming out. I'm grabbing onto it with both hands going, no, don't leave me. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I had such an amazing time. So, so for, the, for the film, you know, you have this, or you presented the movie, you have the story and the characters. So what did you want your approach for this movie to be? What was your, your musical goals for the score? Um... Well, that first meeting, Jimmy's, Jimmy's words were, I want a big, epic, sweeping score. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's music to my ears. You're going to get a big, epic, sweeping score. <laughs> um, 
I the wonderful thing about animation is that it's there's no boundaries, there's no box. You're not put in any boxes. I think with live action these days, and rightly so, you know, it needs to be modern and visceral and and compete with all the explosions and the sound effects. But right. with with animation, it's such a, a a great opportunity to just let loose. Um, and that was always in my mind, and that was why I always wanted to do it so much. I, at college, I was, you know, when we had to write stuff at college, I was writing things called DreamWorks Concerto and things like that, you know. I've always wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. Because you can use the orchestra so much, and you can use the orchestra in a traditional way. And I was able to draw from my favorite classical composers, you know, such as Strauss or Marlowe or Brahms. Um, and that's what I... I learned as a kid and learned at college and I was it was just wonderful to be able to dive into that and, and do a big sweeping predominantly orchestral score. But at the same time, you know, I was able to do in the score there's there's scar, there's there's big Strauss waltzes, there's um what else was there? There's big band stuff, like sort of commercial tacky big band thing in the for the time machine and there's loads of different places I get to go, but the main thing tying it all together is the orchestra, and um, that's just a, a, a wonderful thing that animation allows you to do. Because you can't really do that in live action. Absolutely, yeah, I think so too. And it's just a the most I think the liveliest and most engaging scores have come from animated films. I think it's such a great canvas for at least composers to work in. And oh, um, I totally agree. Yeah, completely. It's just. So it's the carte blanche thing. It's um, it's so wonderful just to be able to we we call it orchestral chops around here. Um, it's uh, it's so nice to be able to use them and and, and get 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 the orchestral chops out, which is it's perfect for me because that it's it's it, that's the thing that that comes easy to me. I mean, I do all the production stuff and the and the electronic things, and I can do that. But as soon as you say, okay, you're not allowed to use any electronics, you just have to use orchestra. You know. I roll my sleeves up, and that, that's my bread and butter. So it's always lovely to be able to do that. That's really great. And I think there, we need more, more guys like you in the industry to bring keep that uh, mentality and that practice alive. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, I think it will come full circle. And there's a lot of cool things coming out of live action, um, and there's a lot of not-so-cool things coming out of live action musically. And I think, I think, I hope it'll come not completely full circle because I want we should hold on to the, the cool electronic and visual elements that have come through in the modern elements. But oh, right, yeah. I, I hope that one day a director will convince the world that both are possible. So you can cross, you know, the, the days of Alan Silvestri and Goldsmith and Williams and you can cross that with 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 the Zimmers and the and the um Clint Mansells and, and and guys coming up with the, the cool and modern stuff. So I hope so. Absolutely. That's, <laughs> I hope that's, that yeah. they will come. <laughs> so you've you've worked on a lot of animated films prior to this, so you had kind of experience on the process. Uh, did you know what to expect, or were there still kind of unexpected challenges that came with Freebirds? Free, yeah, Freebirds was different. I think, um, just because, I guess, mainly because the release date was brought up a year, so everyone was kind of a little behind. Hmm. Um, wow. But the great thing for me, was being able to see it go from storyboards and almost subconsciously um, influence the animators once I'd written cues to 
storyboards or block animation, if, you know, if Jimmy or Aaron or Scott were really into the queue, I think it sort of subconsciously told the animators to, to sort of work around it. There's one, there's one sequence towards the end of the movie that's um, very late on was still storyboards because it was new and it was a new idea. I'm not going to give too much away the movie, but um, there's a whole uh, ritual that goes on with feathers rising up through um, the, the flock's home, which is an underground uh, tree. And that was uh, a piece of music from the very start because it was storyboards and Jimmy said, you know, I just want something that's going to take us emotionally through this and it needs to be a piece rather than a cue because I think sometimes when you concentrate, a lot of animation is very, we call it cue, which is sort of not necessarily Mickey Mousing things, but picking yeah. every turn, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and this was a, an area of the film that I just got to write something just sit down and write something. And, and luckily, because it was such early stages of the animation, it stayed that way. And then, and I don't know if they actively animated to it, but it definitely works. It's, um, it's very powerful that way. Wow, that's really um, cool. Yeah, it, it's great. And it's sort of, it was nice to be able to do that just because I remember watching YouTube videos of um, John Williams talking about uh, the last 15 minutes of E.T., and not that I'm comparing myself in any way to that, but it's it definitely emotionally it definitely gets 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 you going, you know. When you when you think about the last fifteen minutes of ET and and how Spielberg said, you know what, just get the performance you want and you you're happy with, and I'll cut the movie around it. And I think if it would have been the other way around, it would it wouldn't have been anywhere near as powerful. So I'm not I'm saying this was I'm not completely comparing that, but the whole idea of having a piece before the the film is cut it's, there's something to it oh it's it's uh, i think it makes a light and day difference i mean one of my favorite films is once upon a time in the west and you know that's uh, leone would cut to morricone's music and i think you can absolutely tell just the dramatic flow of everything and then actually uh, i think it was it last it wasn't this past year but last year when john williams did his hollywood bowl he did he they put up the entire final 20 minutes on the big screen and he scored it live at the bowl and I was just crying my eyes out <laughs> I was like this yeah. is amazing <laughs> but um so I I know you're you're English but if you do attend a Thanksgiving dinner this year do you plan on playing your score while you eat <laughs> <laughs> um well, um, Thanksgiving is a new thing to me, but I am uh, married to an, an American woman. So, okay. um, so you will last, be doing a Thanksgiving then. For the last couple <laughs> of years, I've been doing Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. I think it's great. I think it's a really, really lovely time to get family together. <laughs> and and whether whether it's about history or not, it's just bringing... It's, it's never a bad thing to bring bring everyone together and, and be thankful for... for, for you know, whatever you're thankful for. I think it's great. I love Thanksgiving. Plus, it's a day off for me. <laughs> now now I'm married to an American woman. It's like, sorry, can't work. <laughs> I, get, I get a day off. Because actually, funny enough, um, I do have to be thankful for Thanksgiving because um, when I first got introduced to John, um, it was around Thanksgiving, and he said his, all his guys were, were leaving for Thanksgiving. And um, he said, you know, we'll come over, we'll talk about some stuff. And um, that was on uh, Dragons, How to Train Your Dragon. And uh, I ended up finishing that project. So I have to be very thankful for Thanksgiving because it uh, gave me my start. 
and it was a hell of a movie to to start on. How, how to Train Your Dragon, fantastic. <laughs> I know. I, it was such a wonderful thing to be a part of that, and um, John really hit a home run with that one. It was um, it's very special. Very special. I mean, I on the second I heard it, I said this is the the best score of the year, and it was my favorite of the year, the entire year, and then I was glad it got nominated. It definitely deserved it. It was oh yeah, it was so wonderful for him to be nominated because you, you know animated movies never get nominated for just the score. Right. And, yeah. You know, being being slightly biased probably, but I definitely thought it should have won. Oh, me too. I mean, I'm not <laughs> hands down. I was like, this is the most engaging, uh, emotional, you know, score of the year. And um, I mean, it was it was a tough year. I mean, you know, Hans up there with Inception, but it was cool to see both of them. You know, two guys who work together up there. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was really great. There was a, it was a cool buzz um, around remote at the time of that because you know <laughs> knowing that John was up there and Hans was up for it, and there was a bit of you know friendly rivalry going on. <laughs> well, but yeah, dragons is, dragons is something different. It's um, it's familiar but different. He was able to create something that at first glance would be completely traditional, but then you really dive into it, and it's just so original and so new and. and in a crazy way. I was very lucky to be a part of that. That was fantastic. Um, but to to wrap up, I always like to ask composers this one question, and I know you were talking about not wanting to to take credit for anything over John Williams, but if you could score any film ever made with no disrespect to the original composer or the score itself, which film would you choose? Oh, wow. Um, I get asked this question quite a lot, and it always changes. Um... I think that's such a difficult question. <laughs> when you when you when you look at it and you go, okay, well, I'd love to score my my favorite my favorite scores, but hang on a minute, why would I do that? Because it's my favorite and they're perfect, so why would I even touch that? <laughs> well, um, that's the idea. It's like, what would you love to like pretend that score never existed? What what film speaks to you that you would love to to write the film the music for? I would love to do any of those old. I've got a, my dad and I have a real thing about Second World War movies, mm -hmm. um, and I'd love to. Again, I mean the scores are perfect for these films, but any you know any of the any of the old old Second World War movies from not that old, but because I'm quite young. But you know, Eagles, Where Eagles Dare or Six Three Three Squadron or The Great Escape, any of those. I mean, they're all incredible scores, but I'd love to have a crack at them. I think wow. that would be amazing to That's do an old war movie. Great, great answer. That's a great answer. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Dominic, thank you so much uh, for your time and, and talking today. It was, I mean, it was a blast. A great, great fun to talk to you, and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime in the future. Yeah, I would love to. I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me.